All right, good morning to you. It is time for us to do something. I love the song that Amy sang, We Are Standing on Holy Ground. And I want you to keep that in mind as we share the Word of God today. Um, it's not just a teaching session. It is holy ground that we're standing on. We've been on holy ground, by the way, starting at 9 o'clock with Brother Tom. And we've been on holy ground during the time of worship. And we continue right through on holy ground. And I love this song. I love the part where he says, you know, we look around the world, we see all that's wrong. And I want to shake my fist at heaven and say, why don't you do something? And he, God said, I did. I created you. We are part of the solution today. We cannot, we cannot forgive sin. We can't die on a cross. But we can be God's hands and feet in the world that we live in today. So this is our series entitled Right on the Money. We're talking about how to get money, you know, how to manage it, how to share it, how to boss it, okay, in our lives. Because again, you know, money is dangerous because, actually the love of money is dangerous because it can get us. As Stanley, Andy Stanley said, you know, we're not trying to get your money, we're trying to keep your money from getting you. And that's hugely important. So, hey, have you heard the two tales? The two tales goes like this. One of them is a man was a pig farmer. And so he had 10 pigs. And so God said to him one day, he said, you know, would you be willing to give me half of your pigs? And the pig farmer said, oh, yes, God, I would give you half of my pigs. And so God said, well, if you had eight pigs, would you be willing to give half of those pigs? Oh, Lord, yes, I would be willing to give half of my pigs to you. Or if you had six and then, mind you, of Abraham, what if you had four pigs? Would you be willing to have? Yes, Lord. What if you had two pigs? Would you be willing to share? Oh, yes, Lord, I still would share. What if you only had one pig? And the farmer said, God, you know I've only got one pig. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's pretty good. And I love the story, too, by Greg Laurie. Now, if you don't know who Greg Laurie is, he is just, one, he's my age. I think that's really, but he's a really cool guy. You know, wears the jeans and the leathers, a motorcycle rider out in California, but I mean, intensely loves Jesus. His, his passion, his passion is evangelism. I mean, he just loves sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was like, like totally pagan, um, raised in a home where mom was married, get it, seven times. He had seven stepdads at one time or another. Mom was an alcoholic. Dad was not part of the picture. Um, sounds like Nicaragua, you know. Dad was not a picture, uh, part of the picture at all. And so he was like totally pagan. And so he gets invited to a, an event of some sort. Here's the gospel and is radically saved, uh, you know, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, oh, I remember how now. That's right. They were serving free pizza. He said, I did not care about God, but I definitely wanted pizza. And that's how he ended up at the, at the event. And so anyway, so he gets saved and figured out he probably ought to go to church. And so he went to church and the preacher started talking about money. And remember now, he was like totally pagan. And so like he did not know anything about God. And so the preacher got out there and started talking about the topic we're going to talk about today. And that is tithes and offerings. And he clearly heard the preacher say that God expects us as believers to give 10% of our income to God. And he goes... What? I mean, literally, that's what he says. He goes, what? Did he, did he just say God expects me to give 10%? And it's like he totally freaked out when he heard that. Now, later on, as he grew in his faith and started understanding about God and giving and all that, you know, it was okay. But at that moment, kind of like the impulse some of us have, he said, are you kidding me? 
Are you serious? Is that really in the Bible? Does God really expect that? Okay, and that's what we want to talk about today. Now, another little story um, that, well, really not a story, but it is. If one time was a story, and I just edited it down. Um, but, you know, there's, there are two approaches to giving. You know, imagine a family that is attending a church, and the church is in financial difficulties. A lot of churches stay there, by the way. A lot of churches struggle to keep the doors open, struggle to pay the bills, and that kind of thing. Well, it was that kind of church. And consequently, the pastor was under pressure to talk about money all the time. It seemed like every week the sermon was about money. And so finally they threw their hands up and said, we're leaving. And so they left that church because of that. And they went to another church. And wouldn't you know it, the exact opposite thing. The church was just blessed with many generous givers, obedient givers. Um, Money was not an issue in the church at all. And consequently, the pastor never preached on money. And so they said to themselves, what kind of church is this? They don't even need our money. And so they didn't give. So it's really funny how you can have two extremes like that. You go to some churches and there's such financial pressure. All you hear about is give, 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 give. Bang the pulpit, bang the pulpit. Give, give. Don't rob God. Flat tires if you do. You'll end up in the hospital. God hates you if you don't give. All this junk. Okay? And then you go to some churches and you never hear about giving. And and you miss that great blessing of being part of the giving. And so I wanted to tell you that we're kind of like in the middle, okay? Um, God has blessed our church with incredible generosity. We've got wonderful givers um, in our church. Um, we feel no financial pressure of sorts. Um, we carry a very healthy balance in our, in our church, in our church general checking account. I will tell you this, that one time that account was growing, and now it's going down some. We have to tap into that. For, for expenditures sometime. So that part is a little bit different than we're used to. I will tell you that I got the numbers from Dana. She amazingly had this right here. I didn't ask her. She just happened to have them. Um, our budget every year, in case you didn't know, you say, well, you have a budget? Yeah, you ought to have a budget too in your house. Um, a budget's a spending plan. And our budget for our church is $750,110. $750,110. That's our budget. Now, what I want you to know is is that that's been our budget for three years. For three years, our finance committee has done due diligence and gone back and said, okay, what can we cut this year without hurting ministry? What can we cut to keep the balance of equal on the budget? You say, why are you doing that? Because that's where the offerings are. We really do not want to run a budget that we can't afford. And so the bottom line is, uh, for the last three years, that's about where offerings have been. And so we have ran a flat budget, $750,110. Now, what you also need to know is last year, um, we finished a year uh, $27,000 below that. So last year, now again, there's no financial pressure. We're not going under. But we finished the budget $27,000 below that. The giving was, was uh, $27,000 less than that $750,000. So that was, that was not necessarily good. Um, probably a more... Start indicator is is that we spent um, get to the right number here um, four thousand and four thousand three hundred seventy one dollars more than we took in. You know the budget thing wasn't big because we didn't spend all the budget, but we actually spent more than we took in, and that's as you know if you have a budget at home. You don't want to do that. You don't want to spend uh, more than you took in. And that happened in our church just a little bit. But hear me, we're very... I mean, there are churches that would cut their right arm off to be where we are financially. 
Okay? But I wanted to give you a picture of where we are, and I want to tell you this. We need your giving. We need your giving. If you're saying, I just came from a church and they didn't need me, well, we need you. Okay? And we need you because, well, you know, we need to, to do ministry as Dorisville Baptist Church, but we need you also to support offerings like Brother Tom. And we also need you to serve, to go, and to do. So if you're looking for a place where you're needed, this is it. You have found your home, baby. All right? Very good. All right, so, so we want to look at this morning on Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. Now, this is an amazing teaching verse. It really is. It's an amazing teaching verse. And we're really going to only touch on the first part, really, um, of this verse, okay? Now, in it, you see a great outline. Let me read it to you, and I'm going to come back and show you what the outline is so you can... And oh, 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 and don't forget, by the way, if you got your Bible app, okay, you version, the event is live right now. You can go in and get this information right there on your smart device, follow along, and add notes. So uh, you need to do that if that's something you're into, all right? So here's what Malachi 3.10 says, and this is from the Amplified Classic Version. They add just a few words for clarity. Here's what it says. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. Let me read that again to you. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And then he goes on, and we're not going to get there. I've already decided we're not going to get there. But this last part is really good. Test me in this way. One of the few places God says, test me. Prove me, he says. Oh, good, King James. Prove me. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. And I was talking to Dave about this and something we definitely agreed on is that does not, we don't believe in a prosperity gospel. Okay? Give God 10, he'll give you 300. Uh, send send $1,000 to some TV preacher and he'll promise you you'll get 10000 back. Don't believe it and don't believe the Bible teaches that. Okay? Because sometimes, well, I've lived long enough. I've been a Christian now for like 46 years. I've uh, been married to Judy for 43 years. I've uh, been a pastor for 35 years. And I can tell you some amazing stories of the faithfulness of God. Um, he just seems to come through. He just seems to come through. Amazing stories. Ron told one when he was talking about Nicaragua, how God met his need there. So he's a need-meeting God. But that should never be our motivation for giving. We should not give to God... Well, now, God, I did this, so you owe me, okay? We, we could never, we could never, listen, God don't owe us nothing. <laughs> Come on, God doesn't owe us nothing. I mean, my gosh, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and died on a Roman cross, so I didn't have to go to hell. I mean, I'm in debt for him for all eternity just for that, just for that. So, so we have this, this, this 310, and it's amazing teaching verse. And you look there, you can see it. Bring... That's how. That's how God works. Okay, we bring. Okay, then what do we bring? The full tent. That's a what. Where do we bring it to? The storehouse. And why? That there may be food in my house. That's where we're going today. So let's talk about, first off, giving. We find that in the word bring, and I called it the fine art of giving. The fine art of giving. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. It is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to outgive God. It is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to outgive God. Now, again, again, I'm going to just kind of walk over here, right here to this. When God gave his son on the cross, then he paid a debt we could never pay. And, and as a follower of Christ, we are indebted to him forever. Okay? So it's impossible 
for one to outgive God. It's beyond the realm of possibility that you or you or you or you can outgive God. It just isn't going to happen. One of the greatest giving verses um, in the Bible is John 3.16. John 3.16. It's amazing. Listen to it. For God so loved the world, here it is, wait for it, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, I got to pondering that. You know, we preachers start pondering about Thursday. You know, long about Thursday, we're really pondering this thing that we do on Sunday morning. And I thought about, whoa, 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 think about this. God, the Father, the Father gave his Son. The Son gave his life. The Father and the Son gave the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in turn, gives us life. The Father gave the Son. The Son gave us life. The Father and Son gave the Holy Spirit, who in turn gives us life. And what does the Holy Spirit give us? Encouragement, empowerment, uh, cheer, you know, cheerfulness when we need that, um, wisdom, wise counsel, strength. It's just an ongoing list of what God does. And that's why I say, you know, God is just all about generosity and giving. I mean, there are several key words that describe God, like love is one of them, but giving is another. He is such a giving, giving God. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Pause. The better you understand what I just said, that the Father gave the Son, the Son gave us life, and they, in turn, gave us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us life, okay? The better you understand that, the less you will struggle with giving. When you start understanding what God has given you, it's just a natural thing that we become more generous. It's when we forget what God has done, when we look at somebody else and go, oh, they got and I don't, and their house is bigger than mine, and their car is bigger than mine, or newer than mine, and they got the right labels, and I don't, I don't, I don't. It's at that point we struggle with giving because instead of being generous, we become stingy. Okay? So it's really, really hugely important that we understand that God is all about generosity, and he's proven it by what he did. The Father gave the Son, the Son gave us life, and they gave us the Holy Spirit, who in turn gives us life. Randy Alcorn, a writer, says, You know, God is the greatest giver in the universe. He won't let you outgive Him. God is the greatest giver in the universe. He will not let you outgive Him. Spurgeon said it was impossible, and I agree with that, and I agree with Randy also. God will not let us outgive Him. So, what does the Bible say about giving in general? Okay, what does the Bible say about general, generally giving? Well, in Acts 20, verse 35, here's, a, here's really one of those things where, you know, we don't have it where Jesus said this, but again, so much of what Jesus said was not recorded uh, for us to know. But here's what, in Acts 20, here's what the author says. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now, that's good advice. Amen? You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And guess what? Of all people, he knew that. I mean, you know, when, when you have someone who has no financial pressure whatsoever, 
And they say, well, you know, it's more blessed to give than receive. Then you go, well, yeah, you can say that because you don't have any financial pressure. You don't wonder what's on sale at the grocery store. So you'll know if you'll have enough money to buy food this week. You don't know if the lights are going to be on next week. You don't know if the water. You don't know. Oh, Jesus said that and he knew. You know why? Because he's fixing to give his life. He was going, what do you think the Garden of Gethsemane was all about? When Jesus was saying, Father, if there's any way for this not to be the way it's got to be, please. Nevertheless, yet not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus understood the price of giving because he gave his life. Um, Paul kind of expounds on that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 and 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 and 9. It says this. Now, the Corinthian church was a well-to-do church. Um, they were really big in the spiritual gifts and all that kind of stuff. But they kind of, like a lot of churches today, they struggled in the area of giving. That was their big deal, okay? They, they, they like speaking in tongues. They like exercising spiritual gifts, um, all that stuff. They like to boast how much knowledge they had. Okay, but they struggle in giving. And here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, and 9. Now, as you excel, speaking to the Corinthian church, and probably to us, now, as you excel in everything, in your faith, you know, you're, you like to say you've got a lot of faith, um, in speech, in speech, in knowledge, you know, talking about heavenly knowledge, um, in all diligence, in other words, you're busy, 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 And, he says, in your love for us, talking about himself, excel also in this act of grace. Does anybody want to ponder what this act of grace was? It was giving. It was giving. As you excel in all these things, make sure you excel in the art or in the grace of giving. Now, he says this in verse 8. I'm not saying this as a command. You know, I'm not all over you today with a command. Rather, by the diligence of the others, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing, testing the genuineness of your love. The others is the Macedonian church. They were dirt poor. And they ran to Paul and said, Paul, we know you're taking an offering up. Can we please give? Paul, listen, you guys ain't getting, oh, please let us give. We don't want to miss the blessing. When he says the diligence of others, that's what he's talking about. He goes, I want, to, I want to test the genuineness of your love. I mean, you probably know this. In, in, if you just went through Valentine's Day, that gig, okay, you probably know that nothing says, I love you, like giving. I mean, some of you, well, first off, by the way, we all agreed in the office, thank you, Hallmark, for the guilt trip. We don't know who came up with this Valentine's thing, but it wasn't us, Okay. I love it. Somebody said last night at the concert we were at, you know, and said, I want to thank, you know, there's a day I'm supposed to tell my wife I love her. I got a better idea. Won't you tell her every day? Tell her every day. Well, nothing says I love you, though, like giving when there's a need. But in this case, there's not the need. There's just that. And the genuineness of our love. When we look at that and we want to tell God we love him, our generosity back to him is one way that we can say that we love him. Now, here it is, verse 9. Listen to this. For you know, (laughs) speaking of the Corinthian church, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, grace, giving, you know the giving of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how did Jesus give? Well, in verse 9, 
Though he was rich. Pause. Boy, was he rich. Jesus created the whole universe, which means he, I'm sorry, all of creation, bigger than the universe, and he created, he owns it. He had it all. He had thousands of angels worshiping him and praising him in heaven. And he left all that. You know, though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor. He left the splendors of heaven, all of that, strapped on a human body as a baby, born in a manger, born to a poor carpenter or stonemason, born to a poor virgin, and lived his life and virtually owned nothing the whole time he was here. He became poor. And you know why he did? For your sake. He left all of that so he could come do this. He did left all of that so he could come do this so that we could have a relationship with Creator God so we could have our sins forgiven so we could turn from our sin and choose to follow Him. And it's open to the very richest, to the very poorest, no matter skin color, it's open to all. That's why He did that. That's why He did that. So for your sake, He became poor so that by His poverty, His sacrifice, His death on the cross, you might become rich. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Therefore, to him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, for him who knew no sin, he became sin, that we can become the righteousness of God through him. Wow. We had, when we, were, <laughs> we were spiritually bankrupt. We were poor spiritually than the poorest kid in the slum. We had nothing. We had nothing. We had nothing to offer God. And Jesus shows up. The hero shows up, as we heard last night in the concert. The hero shows up. He says, I'm going to make you a deal you're not going to believe. I'll take and pay for your sin that condemns you to hell. And I instead will give you my righteousness, which guarantees you heaven. Shoot that thing. Tell me Jesus didn't know about giving. He did. He gave his life for us. So we're to bring. We're to give. Because whatever God's about, we should be about. Whatever God's about, we should be about. So we bring. We give. What do we bring or what do we give? The full tithe. On the sheet, now Pierre, you know, you see at the full tithe, God's better idea. Now, some of you may or may not know what the word tithe means. The word tithe means tenth. In fact, you'll see it in this translation that I used, the word tenth. You bring your tenth, okay? So, the word tithe means tenth. And it's God's plan for funding His ministry in the local church. It's God's plan for funding the ministry in the local church. So, we are to bring the full tithe, okay? Now, this is why it's such a great idea. Okay, the reason it's such a great idea is because a tenth is based on what God blesses you with. Okay, so as an example, you know, let's say, for instance, you make a thousand dollars a month. Okay, then God says you're to bring the full tenth. 
So 10% of 1,000 is $100. So God says we're to trust him and bring that 10th or the $100. And what's great is if you make $10 a month, you're going to bring $1. If you make a $1 million, you're going to bring $100,000. See, God knew that there needed to be a plan. And his plan was the 10th. That we give a tenth, and then here's, here's the cool part. You know, Psalm 24, 1 clearly says it. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. In other words, he owns it all. Here's what God does. God says, hey, I got another deal for you. I'm going to give you this, whatever it is, this bulk of stuff called life. I'm going to give this to you. Okay? It's all mine. But here's what I want you to do. I would like for you to give 10% of that back, but I'm going to let you keep 90%. Now, trust me, if Brent showed up in my office and said, Preacher, have I got a deal for you? I'm going, name it, baby. He goes, I want to give you $100. So, first he helps me get back in my chair. Okay? All right? He helps me get back in my chair. But he says, now, here's the caveat. Okay? I want you to give $10 to somebody who needs it. Now, you can keep the other 90, okay? But I want you to give the 10% to someone who needs it. And I would say, no way, dude. It's either all or nothing. Give me the $100, and I, that's it. I don't want to give 10 away. Would that be stupid? Uh, yeah, okay? So here's God, the owner of it all, and he says, you know, I want you to keep 90%. So that's the way you got to look at it. Is God saying, I, I would like you to give 10 or is he saying, I get you to keep 90? He's saying you get to keep 90. And then he uses that 10% to fund the ministries that are there. God owns it all and asks us to give 10%. Now, you might, if, 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 anybody, if you're out there today and, you, and you're thinking, you're going, I thought that was Old Testament. I thought that was Old Testament. In fact, Malachi, Malachi 3.10 is in the Old Testament. Well, by the way, isn't it interesting that God talks about money at least twice, two major ways in Malachi, and then it's quiet for 400 years. Isn't it amazing that when he's saying the last things he's going to say for 400 years, a lot of it's about giving. You know why? God's all over giving. God is all over giving. All over giving. So, is the tithe appropriate for today? All right, well, here you go. Tithing predates the law. In other words... Tithing was incur- occurring before there was such thing as the law. And tithing is endorsed by Jesus after the law. So if tithing is Old Testament, there's an issue because Abraham was tithing. We're going to go over that in just a moment. Abraham was tithing before there was a law, and Jesus endorses after the law. So clearly, tithing is not an Old Testament concept. Okay, it's interesting, you know, certain things, when Jesus came, things changed. Dietary laws changed. You know, just major, major parts of law changed. Guess what didn't change? Tithing. You don't see, they changed even the day they worship. Uh, they changed the Sabbath, if you will, to the Christian Sabbath of being on Sunday. But you will not find in the New Testament that says, thou shalt not tithe, it's over. You know why? It's not over. It's not over. It's still a biblical principle today. 
So let's take a look, okay? Let's take a look and see about those, those proofs that you need to know is it current today. Go ahead and take your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen in just a moment. In Genesis chapter 14, uh, verse number 18 and 20. This is such a cool story, and I don't have time to camp here, but this is a cool story. This is a story of a guy named Melchizedek, okay, and Abraham. Melchizedek. You should name your kid Melchizedek. What's your name, son? Melchizedek. They just call me Mel for short. Just a great name. It's a great name. So what's cool about Melchizedek is several things, okay? Maybe one day I'll preach on this. Melchizedek, one, has no beginning. He just shows up. I mean, boom. There he is. In the story, in the scripture, he just shows up. And guess what? Then he just disappears. There's no, there's no beginning and there's no end. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Guess what the name Melchizedek means? King of righteousness. Hmm, that rings the bell. We'll go, I could go further with this, but you're getting the idea that just maybe Melchizedek was more than just a man. He could be a pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what happens. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Hmm, bread and wine. Hmm, how interesting. Um, he was a priest to God Most High. Hmm, how interesting. A priest to God Most High. He blessed him and said, Abram is blessed by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has handed over your enemies to you. God handed our enemies over to us too, by the way. Hmm. But what was Abram's response to Melchizedek? And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. How about that? Before there was a law, Abraham is giving a tenth. Oh, by the way, don't forget Cain and Abel are offering offerings in the garden. Excuse me, I'm sorry, outside the garden. Just don't forget that either. So Melchizedek and Abraham has an encounter, and Abraham responds, Abram responds with a tenth. Now, Jesus in the New Testament, it's a little caveat, it's a little, it's a little nugget that's buried, but it's there. It's very important because Jesus definitely endorses tithing in this verse. So in Matthew 23, 23, okay, Jesus is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay, now watch, you pay a tenth, a tithe of mint, dill, and cumin. And yet you have neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So our friends, the Pharisees and scribes, who Jesus is woeing to, okay, said, he says to them, you tithe on the smallest thing. These were spices. And you're so careful to tithe on the smallest detail. Unfortunately, they neglected the things that matter too, which is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now here it is. Wait for it. Here it is. These things should have been done. These things should have been done, uh, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the others. Without neglecting the tithe on the mint, dill, and cumin. 
look at that. Jesus certainly seems to be endorsing New Testament tithing, doesn't he? And then you got Paul. Paul comes along with, I still call it grace giving. Grace giving. You know, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, here's what he says, again, that Corinthian church again. He says it this way. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the thing to be careful there is, and I think this is where we get in trouble, is because we sometimes can't trust our heart. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I, no, it's not 29, 11, excuse me. The book of Jeremiah, I believe it there, says that the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? Okay? And then, and then you know, over, um, oh, dear Dwayne, I've lost my thought for sure. Yeah, I better leave it alone. Okay? So the heart is desperately wicked. Proverbs 4.23, okay, is, you know, guard your heart because out of it come the issues of life. So Paul comes along and says, as you purpose in your heart, you should give. Now, let me just go ahead and throw this out just for fun. If the law, if under the law, a person gave 10%, what should he give under grace? More or less? What price would you put on that? I'm, that's no guilt trip. I'm just asking you. What, what price would you put on that? Wouldn't it be a little weird to say that a Jew living in the Old Testament who had absolutely no concept of calling God Father, who could not approach Him, felt obligated and so gave the 10%. And we, who have experienced God's amazing grace, who've had our sins boldly forgiven by the sacrificial death of the Son of God on the cross, we, who have been excluded from hell because our sins were paid for, give less? Does anyone think that makes sense? No. Well, Dwayne, why then? Why, why is it that, that the bulk of believers today, the concept of giving 10% like blows their mind? I think it's because we don't get the value of that. And our hearts are desperately wicked too often. I mean, can I be honest? Now, I'm a, you know, this is one of those times you, you, you need to know, but I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. But I'll tell you, you know, that Gene and I get 12%. You know, we get 12%. And it's never up for grabs. I mean, that's just what we do. Okay, it never enters our brain not to. Okay, but you need, I'm only telling you because I'm your pastor. It would be so hypocritical of me to stand up here and not practice what I preach. That's the only reason I tell you that. The reason I tell you that. So, so the deal is this, that if we are faithful, he's faithful too. He's faithful too. And when I think about grace, I'm overwhelmed. And yet with that, I've got to tell you the truth. I am certain there have been times when God gave me, called me to give an offering. Not my tithe, my offering. And I think I missed it. I know I missed it. My generosity gene just wasn't turned on that day. Why would that happen, Dwayne? Because my stinking heart got selfish. That's why. So you really got to guard your heart. You got to be careful with all this. So we're going to bring, okay, the full tithe, and, and we're going to bring it where? To the tithe or to the storehouse. Now, 
This is where it's important we get an understanding. How are we doing? We're doing good on time. Yeah, okay. Oh, we're doing really good on time. Well, not according to that, we're not. But anyway, we're doing good on time. All right, so here's the big deal. Are tithes and offerings the same thing? Are tithes and offerings the same thing? Well, I need to go to a verse, which, by the way, I just do not feel comfortable sharing this verse today as part of the sermon. But I'll use it as a side. It's really harsh. It's harsh. And that was not my point today. Not afraid to teach it, but I was not trying. It wasn't where I was going today. But I have to share it right now for a point. In Malachi 3.8, just a couple of verses up, God's talking to the nation of Israel and says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And how do we rob you, you ask? And here's God's answer. By not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions. Now, if you've got your King James Version, and probably New King James too, and probably ESV, I don't know, it probably says this. How have we robbed you? By tithes and offerings. So you see, tithes and offerings are not the same. Now I want you to listen real carefully. I'm fixing to say. Tithe is obligated. Now wait. Time out. Not like you got to give. Not that kind of obligation. But tithe is obligated. Now I don't do the money in my house because if I did, then we would have the creditor's knocking on the door. Okay? But the pood woman does, or my wife, Judy, pood, alias the pood woman, okay, also known as the pood woman, um, does the budget. And so if it was me, I might or might not check the banking account, and I would go, hey, Judy, we've got $400 in the bank. I would like to buy a new iPhone watch or you know, Apple watch. And she would go, you're crazy. I'd say, why? We've got $400. And she would say, yes, Dwayne, you have $400, but that money is for electric bills, gas bills, and the like. It's obligated money. The money's in the bank, but it's obligated for a purpose. Well, that's where the tithe is. When I say it's obligated, it's not like we have to give it. We'll debate that later, Okay. But it's like it's already purposed. God has a section of your money that's purposed, and it's called the tithe. But there's also this thing called contributions or offerings. So the tithe is obligated for a purpose. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Okay? And then there are opportunities or offerings. Would you like some examples of offerings? Sure. Okay. No problem. One, a woman named Annie. The Annie Armstrong Easter offering. That is not your tithe. That's an offering. It's an opportunity to give beyond the tithe. There's a woman also named Lottie. Remember her? We know her at Christmas time. It's the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's an offering. It is not your tithe. It's something you do outside of the tithe. Um, World hunger offering, which by the way, our church gave nearly 21 thousand dollars last year that is incredible that is just incredible but notice it's not our tithe it's an offering okay um let's see compassion compassion we heard last night at the concert about compassion a lot of us in this room including your pastor and his wife have a compassion child 
We have a child that we send $38 a month to, and we have for the last 15 years. He's 18 years old now, starting when he was three. Okay? And we send $38 a month. That's not my tithe. That's an offering. Many people support Tom's children. That's an offering. It's not your tithe. What you do after lunch, after services today, as we give money for his heart, okay, for the heart of Tom, that's not your tithe. That's your offering. Okay, do you see the difference? Tithe is money that has an obligation. I'll show you what that is. And offerings are something God speaks to our heart about, and we give above that. Honestly, don't get angry with me, but we don't take our tithes and buy crayons and coloring books. We don't take our tithes and buy food for our neighbor next door. Those are called offerings. God has commanded that we take tithes, which is obligated money, and offerings as he speaks to our heart. They are not the same. They are not the same. It's it's important you know that. It's important that you know that. You know, we are to take this tithe and bring it into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Now, what a great verse. Old Testament or not, what a great verse. God says, I want you to bring the full tithe. Now, by the way, did you notice something? He doesn't say bring the tithe and the offerings to the storehouse. Do you see that? He didn't say that. He said bring the tithe into the storehouse because he has a purpose for the tithe. And the purpose of the tithe is to empower the local church for ministry. The idea of storehouse does not mean that we need to carry $500,000 and have money we'll never use in the bank. The idea of storehouse means it's a distribution center. In this case, in case you're interested, okay, the money that was brought, the tithes that were brought in was used to feed the priest. And the priest then shared it with, I can't remember the other part. Okay? So there's an obligation there. But, but what does, how does that work in the local church? When, when, when you're saying, Dwayne, if I choose to give offerings, that can go anywhere, but the tithe needs to come here, how does that work? Well, I hope you love your church. I hope you love being a part of your church, whether it's Dorfsville or another church. But let me tell you a little bit of how that works. When you bring your tithe offering into the church, the first thing the church does is give 11.5% away. So if you give a dollar tithe to the church, now if you designate it, nope. If you give it to your neighbor, nope. But if you bring the tithe to the storehouse, okay, 11.5% goes outside the church immediately. That's, in case you're wondering, that's about... $78,000 a year our church gives to the cooperative program to missions, mission causes, off the top. So when you give the tithe, you're automatically given to missions, automatically. Don't y'all egg my house. There are three things that are kind of important. I already told you, we have a $750,000 budget. That's a lot of money. So, so what happens? Well, I obviously don't have time to go over the whole budget. But, but the first thing you need to know probably is that we have, we have six full-time employees and two part-time employees. So a chunk of that budget goes to provide for your staff. I don't like it, but the truth is that's how it is. Okay? So a chunk of that goes to pay our six full-time employees and two part-time employees. And then a chunk of it 
goes to this, the building. Now, as you know, um, through the generosity of your hearts, this building's been paid for for like five years, six years. We are debt-free. Somebody say amen. We are debt-free. That's incredible. But you can imagine it takes a lot to maintain this facility. I don't have a lot of numbers, and you don't need a lot of numbers. But I'll give you one example. Our utility bill last year for these buildings was $43,000. Now, listen, I need to be, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? When people tithe and bring it into the storehouse, that helps pay the light bill. But when we designate our tithe and we get outside the church, the light bill is not getting paid. The air conditioning bill is not getting paid. That's why the tithe is important. It maintains this building, this facility. Well, Dwayne, we don't use it but on Sunday. Oh, really? Glad you asked. Here's a short list. All-star basketball. Now, fortunately, all-star basketball is self-sustaining. So they're not in our budget. But they use this facility eight Saturdays, unless we cancel for snow, eight Saturdays a year. And guess how much they pay for gas, utilities, cleaning the building, all that? Zero. They're a ministry. They're a ministry. So this building provides for a facility for all-star to practice in, right, Brent? Two nights a week and also on Saturdays. Um, How about the band? Did you all know that the Harrisburg High School Band holds a major fundraiser in our building every year? Did you know that? About how many people? 700? 300, 300 people a year every fall fill this room and have a band fundraiser. Guess how much they pay? A $50 damage deposit, which they get back if they don't tear our building up. We don't charge anything. How can you do that, Dwayne? Ties. Ties. Um, let's see. How about we're hoping, I don't have this official yet, but probably in July, there's going to be a basketball camp here sponsored by some members of our church. That's probably going to happen. And guess how much they're going to pay? Uh, well, $50 damage deposit, which they don't try to build until they get back. Um, how about, let's see here, the Brownville School. Do you know what Brownville School is? It's a school for challenged adults. Yeah. And guess what? They called us and said, hey, some of our kids, adults, would like to play basketball, but we don't have a place that's kind of neutral. There's a school over in Murfreesboro. Could we use your building? And we'd like to feed them pizza and then have some kids come over and watch, and adults come over and watch, and they're going to play basketball. Could we do that? Guess what? Yes. Guess how much they paid? $50 damage pocket, which they got back. How's that possible? It costs ties. I think twice a month, I think twice a month, our building... It's not filled, but has a lot of little kids running around in it. And it's called the homeschool group. These folks who homeschool get together and use our building. Guess how much they pay? $50 damage deposit, which they get back, they don't tear our building up. And I could go on and on. Vacation Bible school, back to school, Girl Scouts. What I'm trying to tell you is this tool is used by a lot of people. And it's possible because of your generosity, not when you designate your money, but when you tithe. Isn't that good? Isn't that awesome? And that's just the tip of the iceberg. 
We didn't mention Judgment House. You know, we, there's just so many ministries that go on here, and that is possible. This building happened, and the lights are paid by people who believe in the ministries of Dorsville Baptist Church and show their love by tithing. That's how it happens. It's an amazing thing. So the, so the message today is bring, give, what? The full tithe. Where? Into the storehouse. Why? So there might be food in my house. There might be ministry in my house. These two things are huge. The tithe and the offering. Lottie and Annie and so many other things couldn't happen. We have a Sunday school class that collected over $1,000 at Christmas to help two homeless families. But you didn't know about that. Two weeks ago, we stood at that door and that door and collected money for the four C's. That you may have known about. And I don't even know all that happens through the generosity of our people with their offerings. I'm telling you, if you're looking for an amazing church, you found it. You found it. We're not perfect. We don't pretend to be perfect. We're still learning. But I'm telling you, if you're looking for an amazing church that loves people and loves God, this is it and is proven by what happens here financially and the generosity of your heart and your hearts. So, Dwayne, what do we do with this thing? What do we do with this? Well, one is, follow the plan. I've already told you we finished last year $27,000 behind a budget that is three years old. There's going to come a point where we can't do a flat budget anymore. And, and we try so hard never to put pressure on the church by having a budget we can't meet. Okay? So, so if you will follow the plan, God's plan, not ours, and that is become a tither. Become one that brings the tithe to the storehouse and then give like crazy the offerings to and see what God does. It obviously is true because, again, what we see coming in the budget already and what we see in the offerings is just amazing. God's proven himself over and over and over again. So follow that plan. Understand what the Bible... This isn't a preacher speaking. This is God's word speaking. Tithe and offerings. Do both. Do both. Secondly, make a plan. I know that a lot of folks today are under financial pressure. Um, our economy stinks in southern Illinois. It stinks. See, that's what I need to tell you. I don't know what the clock The clock has stopped working, so I don't know where I am time-wise. But we're eating lunch here, so, hey, we're good. We're good. You don't have to worry about Kentucky Fried today or the barbecue bar. We're good. All right? Um, so... So we need, we need to just be willing to trust God in all things. I know there's financial pressure. I know there's, there's businesses closing. I'm not going to say what I think right now about the government. But in Illinois, it's becoming more and more difficult to live here. So... So that's pressure we're experiencing. We're experiencing injustice closing down. We're, we're experiencing pressure that away. So I know that's the world we live in. And so you would, I, some of you might say, Dwayne, there is, there is no way I could give 10%. I mean, trust God or not trust God, there's just no way. Why don't you make a plan? 
Why don't you go home and talk it over with your wife? If you're married, if you're single, talk it over with your checkbook. And say, okay, I can't even think about 10%. But God, I'm going to trust you with 2%. I'm going to trust you with 2%. And then start and make sure that's your tithe. And then as God allows your heart to be blessed with, with offerings, do that. But don't let that be a stopping point. Make it a goal to make it all the way. This is right. I don't know if I've ever said this in this church. Make it a goal to try to say, God, I'm going to keep trusting you. Keep trusting you. And you're always going to lead you, don't you? He'll lead you beyond 10%. He will. He will. And you know what? You can't outgive God. You just can't outgive God. So, so follow the plan. Tithes and offerings. Make a plan. And include God in next week's message if there's still a crowd. <laughs> By the end of week four, we put up four seats. <laughs> um, but anyway, next week, we're going to talk about first fruits. See, this giving thing is all about trusting God. Trusting God. So next week is first fruits. So, so follow the plan and make a plan and trust God. Tom, can I ask you a question? Are you having to trust God? Kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? Can, can I ask you this question? Tom, has he ever failed you? Never yet. Never has, has he? How many of y'all can say God's never failed you? Look at this. Come on, amen, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He hasn't. And, and, and you got this. I mean, if, if tomorrow there's no food in the pantry... If, if tomorrow the lights are turned off, this is still magnificent. This still shouts, I love you. And as my friend Tom said this morning, I forgot that illustration from Francis Chan. You know, Francis Chan put a long rope. I, I remember, I used it one day. A long rope. If you're stretch a long rope out on this thing, and this is the scope of eternity, you know, your section of life right here would be about this long. That's all. And all of that is eternity. No matter how this short section turns out, you've got the glory of heaven for all eternity. And by the way, just for fun, all the powers of hell and all the demons of hell and Lucifer himself can't change that. Can't change that. Can't change that. Follow the plan. Make a plan. Trust God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. I want to say thank you for the privilege of sharing this day. And I know, Father, for some this is easy and for some it's hard. But oh, it's a magnificent, wonderful truth. You are such a loving, giving, generous God. It's like a mama or a daddy who's generous and wants their children to grow up the same way. You want us to be loving and generous. And honestly, God, even for me, sometimes that's easy and sometimes it is not. So in the easy times, help us be grateful and celebrate that. But in the hard times, help us to be faithful. Help us not to doubt your faithfulness. Father, I need to say thank you for this dear church. I can't explain 
$21,000 in world hunger. Over 30,000 in Lottie. Near 30 in Annie. I can't explain that. I can't explain 1,000 people every week going through an all-star. I can't explain any of this. It's just magnificent to your honor and to your glory. Thank you, Father, for the generosity. But, Father, help us to move on. Help us to be sure we're being faithful and honest to you. That matters. Lord Jesus, as you see fit today, use this time of decision. And we pray in your precious name. Amen. This is our-